Welcome birders, this is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. This is my second solo podcast episode uh, talking about my Great River Road trip. On this episode, I'm going to try to talk a little more to the experience of the road trip in addition to just the birding. I got some feedback from some listeners about the first episode, and they said it was a whole lot of bird names and not a lot about the experience of the trip. So let's see how this goes. We left Memphis, backtracked a little bit across the Mississippi into Arkansas, and headed for the Wapanoka National Wildlife Refuges. Of all the places we birded on this trip, and really of all the places we visited, I have to say... The National Wildlife Refuges, in general, have been highlights. The Wapanoka National Wildlife Refuge is a great example of these refuges. The refuge website states, quote, The refuge was established in January 1961 as a sanctuary for migratory waterfowl. The refuge is literally an island of forest and a sea of agriculture. And that's definitely true. Uh, the U.S. National Wildlife Refuge system is pretty extraordinary. There are over 560 refuges, and combined with 38 wetland management districts, it encompasses 150 million acres. Teddy Roosevelt established the first National Wildlife Refuge in Florida, the Pelican Island National Wildlife Refuge, in 1903, and since then it's grown to its current extent. The Wapanoka National Wildlife Refuge was one of my favorite spots in the whole trip, maybe because we had a lot of time to bird it, and in large part because it was really good birding. It was also nice to be in a vast area with really no one else around. There were almost no other cars of people we saw on the whole trip. Had a lot of varied habitats and we just kind of wandered the roads, drove around, stopped, got out, looked around. It was really a great half day. Dixissel was abundant in the weedy fields. It was the first Dixissel we saw on the trip and they're a bird I have not seen much at all. My first Dixissel, was in Wisconsin uh, when I moved to Washington just shortly after I started birding and it was one of our breastfeeding stops. We had baby Jean with us and uh, Kay was sitting in a, a lawn chair feeding Jean and I was wandering around and I came back and said, Kay, I saw this really cool bird. It looks sort of like a meadowlark but it just wasn't. It was smaller and the, the black on the chest was different. It just always probably a baby meadowlark. And I kind of wrote it off until I got in the car and looked it up in the bird book and said, Kay, it was a dick sissle. We went back, tried to find it, couldn't find it. But on this trip, dick sissles have been common ever since we got to Wapanoka. Uh, whenever you get in a big field, a kind of overgrown field, there have been dick sissels. Uh, so really cool. Uh, and we saw a lot of other birds on that. Field sparrows were in the same fields, just singing like crazy. I remember hearing my first field sparrow on a field trip, uh, on a road trip with Ken uh, into Montana and North Dakota. Could hear it a long, long ways away, and these are no different. This song just carries like crazy. You can hear it forever. Uh, and so anyway, we heard the dick sizzle uh, and uh, the field sparrow and just a lot of other birds too. Another bird with a big song that seemed to be everywhere, prothonotary warblers. I don't even know how many we, we heard or saw this, on this stop, but they were everywhere. Northern Parulus had to be in prime habitat for them too because they seemed to be singing most of the trip. Heard our first yellow-bill cuckoos on the trip. Uh, I expected to see, hear them or see them further south, but we heard at least two calling. And uh, we had 53 species on the stop. We drove a lot of refuge roads, had a nice lunch there. It was really cool. Uh, so loved that stop. 
Uh, shortly after leaving the, the refuge, we were headed north, and Marion spotted a, a shorebird, a greater yellow legs, in a, in a flooded roadside field. So we pulled over, and this field was just loaded with pectoral sandpipers. And Washington pectoral sandpipers are not an easy bird to find. Uh, most of the year we get them in fall migration, mostly juveniles. Uh, but this was just a field full of pectoral sandpipers. I listed 75 and think there are a whole lot more than that. Uh, and from there, we headed north, past most of Real Foot Lake to the Real Foot National Wildlife Refuge, which is, encompasses about the northern third of Real Foot Lake. It's a cool area. Another great, uh, Great National Wildlife Refuge. Uh, I'd never been in, Ken in Kentucky before, and the northern part of the refuge is in Kentucky. So I was really excited about a new state, uh, clean up a little more of that gray in my uh, eBird profile, uh, and so it was really cool. Uh, this refuge, a little less easy to bird than the, than the previous one, but still a cool experience. One thing we tried to do on this trip, and maybe, maybe I should uh, backtrack a little bit, the place we stopped at Real Foot uh, has really just a road in and uh, two branches off that, and not a lot of access to much habitat. Uh, all the birds were pretty far away. One of the cool things we saw, though, was a badger. Uh, I, I guess I just didn't expect to see a badger in a place like that, but that was cool. Uh, and it looked different than the badgers we see up in Washington. It's just kind of a nice warm brown all overall. So it's kind of cool uh, and uh, enjoyed that. The other thing that was cool there was just a big flock of black vultures. So we drove down the road, we stopped, we got out to look at them, a car went by, kind of flushed uh, the birds up into the air, and it's just a big flock of black vultures. So that was cool to see. Uh, and I saw some shorebirds, most of them kind of far away and, and not really easy viewing, uh, but pretty cool to be in a new state. Uh, so we uh, couldn't find a place to stay in Kentucky. This is a really rural area. Uh, so we backtracked a little bit into Tennessee and found a hotel, not a great place. Uh, didn't sleep that well, kind of uh, one of the more ratty hotels we stayed at, Union City, Tennessee. Uh, and so I had no problem getting up early to hit the road. Uh, so we headed back north along the Mississippi River and the first stop was going to be at a place I thought had a cool name. It was called Lake Number no. 9. It was going to be the first T-Bird stop of the day. Well, it took us two or three hours to get to Lake Number no. 9 because everywhere we went was just birdy and really cool. It was early morning, birds were singing everywhere, and we just had a really delightful morning exploring that part of Kentucky. Uh, we had uh, Kentucky warblers in Kentucky at the Brownsville Cemetery. Uh, we got great looks at Blue Grosbeak when we finally got to Lake Number no. 9. Some other cool places we stopped were Fish Pond, roadside viewing only. And one of our favorite places was called the Upper Bottom Road. Uh, you know, upper Bottom, kind of cool name. Anyway, just great birding all along. But maybe the most interesting thing about the part of Kentucky we visited was just the terrain. I'd never seen anything like it. I think uh, the reason it looks like this is because in millennia gone by, the Mississippi River just changed course all the time, and it would uh, wander here, and rivulets would be here and there, and they'd come together and spread apart, uh, all before it was kind of contained into a, a dike uh, thoroughfare that it is now in the lower, lower Mississippi River. Uh, and so there are just big, deep ravines all over the place with little narrow... Uh, places for roads and people to live on, and then these big, you know, 30, 50 foot deep ravines all over the place. So it's just weird, cool, 
place. I have to say, I really enjoyed that. Uh, so we made our way north, and we left Kentucky with a life list of 67 species and the little bit of Kentucky that's up alongside the Missouri, um, Missouri Mississippi River. Uh, we uh, crossed the river again to stay at the Holiday Inn Express in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, uh, and in the morning, uh, it was cold really a cold and windy morning, tough birding, and uh, Marion is not too excited about being out in that weather, but I uh, managed to enjoy uh, a place called the Cape Girardeau Nature Conservation Center, which is a pretty big area right in a fairly suburban uh, place, sort of a park with trails, and the cool thing about that was Swainson's thrushes. They just seemed like they were all over the place. It was always a, a day that uh, maybe the cold or the weather knocked them down with their migration or something, and they were just all over the grounds there. I, I listed a dozen, but I think there were way more than that that we saw there. Uh, and we got a pair of northern water thrushes, eastern bluebirds at the boxes, uh, just a really cool little stop. And from there we headed back across the river. I was going to spend some time at St. Louis later, so I wanted to get over into Illinois. Uh, and so we drove up the Illinois side of the river uh, from there to St. Louis. And we headed for a hot spot called Kid Lake Marsh State Natural Area, big name, Kid Lake Marsh State Natural Area, which looked great on eBird. Uh, and we had lunch there, but it really was not that easy to bird. Very little access, seemed like uh, don't come here, no trespassing signs everywhere. But we managed 37 species and uh, a lot of, a lot of orchard orioles. Orchard orioles just singing all over the place. So we left there and headed north and one of the cool things of the whole trip happened. We're on a, on a uh, road and we, I see a big martin hotel. You know, purple martins, people put up boxes for them. Well, somebody on their farm or on their property had put up a big array of martin boxes. And I thought, well, let's go check it out. So we drove along Roots Road in Randolph County. Uh, and we came to the end of the road and went up a long driveway to where the, there was a woman painting her shed. It was a, you know middle-aged woman out painting her shed named Sharon and she kind of gave us a little bit of a weird look that what are we doing up there and we explained there were birders and we saw her Martin Hotel would she mind if we take a look and she was excited about us doing that she is really proud of her Martin boxes she has over a hundred pair of purple Martins uh, using a big set of plastic gourds and boxes and hotels and all sorts of things and we had a really nice chat her house is also curious. It's uh, it's built underground, so just the windows and the roof are above ground. Uh, and she's really proud of her home. Uh, said one propane, one large propane tank, five hundred dollars. Uh, heats and cools her place for the whole year. Really doesn't need to cool it at all because it's almost all underground. Uh, and she really, it, it was just a cool experience. So we had fun talking with her and uh, exploring her farm. Uh, from there. We headed, uh, headed uh, north. I eBirded, by the way. eBirded 120 Purple Mountains, smashed the eBird filter there, uh, and headed north. Uh, we stayed at the Pear Tree Hotel in St. Louis. I had a nice dinner at a local brewery. Best beet salad I've ever had, uh, and really enjoyed that. And uh, got a good night's sleep because the next day we were going to go to a baseball game. Uh, we uh, watched the Mariners that night. They put up seven runs in the fourth inning. It was super exciting. And uh, I've, uh, as I'm finishing uh, this recording, it's near the end of their road trip that they hardly scored any runs. Uh, they went two and a half games without scoring a single run against Houston. It got swept in the series. So uh, 
I am hoping that uh, home cooking for them will do the same as home cooking for me, and maybe they'll start to score some runs again. But anyway, the next morning, uh, first morning in St. Louis, uh, Marion slept in. Uh, she was getting a little weary of all the birding, and I went to a place called Forest Park. A lot of cities have a really cool city park, and St. Louis is no different. Forest Park is a big, fabulous city park. Uh, one area of it, you look across these beautiful grounds uh, to a big statue of St. Louis on a horse, uh, and the St. Louis Art Museum in the background is just gorgeous. And it has wetlands and wooded areas and kind of field areas. Just a really good birding spot. I spent the whole morning birding there. Got 56 species. Uh, found a little wetlands with solitary sandpiper. Got eastern bluebird, little blue heron. Just really up close and beautiful. Black crowned night heron flew by. Had a first really good look at a rose-breasted grosbeak of the trip. Had indigo bunting. Just a nice stop. And then went to the baseball game. Uh, Albert Pujol came up to bat as a pinch hitter and struck out, uh, and the cards won 10 to 5. So just fun to see a, a historic park. Uh, and cool as you sit in the park and look out uh, on the condos next door, there's a giant Budweiser billboard on the top of a condo. Uh, just you know you're in St. Louis when you see things like that. Uh, there was also a bench-clearing brawl uh, when uh, the... Uh, the uh, St. Louis pitcher threw a fastball, uh, excuse me, the Mets pitcher threw a fastball at the head of uh, Nolan Arenado on the first pitch of a half inning after a Mets player was, was hit on the ankle. Uh, so it's kind of fun to see a, uh, you know, non-fight at a baseball game. Everybody runs out, shoves each other, pushes around, mill about for a while, and then go back to the dugout. Uh, anyway, from there we headed north. Uh, we had... Uh, 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 moving along uh, up the river uh, to Davenport, Iowa. Stops along the way were at Horseshoe Lake State Park where we found a single white-faced ibis that made the eBird hotline, uh, 42 species, a whole bunch of yellow warblers, uh, and we made a lunch stop at their Meridosia National Wildlife Refuge. Uh, that was uh, maybe the least enjoyable National Wildlife Refuge of the whole trip. Uh, not much birding, uh, but uh, it was cool. From there we got to Davenport, Iowa. That's Marion's hometown. Uh, and so we spent a good deal of the time visiting family, visiting places she wanted to see, but of course we did manage to get in some birding. As an aside, the first locks and dam on the Mississippi River is at St. Louis, so not too far below Davenport. And so the river really is different above where they put in the first dam, or the most downstream dam, and below it. Below it, uh, most of the Great River Road is not really very near the river because the river floods and overflows. There's a lot of wetlands beside the river. And so when you're driving along on the Great River Road, you, you don't see the river very much. There's a big dike built up in most places. Uh, and so although you know you're near the Mississippi, you, you don't see it. Uh, but above the dams, it's really a whole lot different. Uh, the river and those areas, the water levels are controlled by the dams and so they need less of a huge dike along the sides to control flooding, and most of it's controlled by how much water they let through the dam. Certainly there are floods, but not to the, not to the degree there are downstream. Anyway, we were surprised. Uh, up there, you drive along roads that are right beside the river. The cities are right beside the river. So it's just a different experience from the, for, in that area. Uh, by far the best day of birding in Davenport was at Scott County Park. It's a big and pretty fabulous county park that has a great story. Marion's dad was instrumental in pushing through the process 
of it being formed and developed into a park. So we spent the whole first morning there, found 50 species, including a number of first-of-the-trip birds, trumpeter swan, ring-necked pheasant, black-capped chickadees. We got out of the Carolina chickadee uh, uh, area and into the black-capped chickadee area. Got marsh wren, black-and-white warbler, black-throated green warbler, rose-breasted grosbeaks, just a bunch of birds. It was really fun. Uh, some other stops in, in Davenport included Credit Island Park, which is the top hot spot in the county, uh, and really, uh, this time of year, not too impressive. It's, uh, it's been flooded all winter, it's just uh, trash and uh, junk all over the place. It really is uh, a place I could have missed. But we did visit a really cool place uh, called the Nahant Marsh, which is a little activist-led uh, preservation story, very cool place to burn. Uh, on our last day in Iowa, we visited the Camp Marion used to visit as a kid, and I managed to walk around a bit seeing just big numbers of Eurasian tree sparrows. Uh, Eurasian tree sparrows are an introduced species uh, that are not nearly as widespread as house sparrow, although they look a lot like house sparrows. They're a little bit different. They've got red over the top of their head and a little white cheek with a black spot on it. And uh, I've noticed they definitely prefer open areas and trees uh, to the city. I guess in, in Asia they tend to be a city bird, but in Europe they tend to, uh, uh, their preferred habitat is you know, brushy areas, trees, and that sort of thing. So they're called tree sparrows. Uh, and I think that seems true uh, in, the, in the, that area of the Mississippi River uh, where they tend to have established. Uh, if you get it in a town, right near a bunch of buildings, you see mostly house sparrows. As soon as you get to, uh, away from buildings and into brushy areas, you see mostly tree sparrows. And I think that's gotta be the epicenter. I thought you'd go to St. Louis to see these, but we didn't see any in St. Louis, and I don't think they're that common there, but just upstream from there, they're all over the place. So that was kind of cool. Uh, on Monday, May 2nd, we made our last real drive of the trip from Davenport to Omaha, Nebraska, about a five hour drive to where Marion's brother, Jim lives. Uh, and we came for, to visit him and uh, for me to get a little Nebraska birding in. I had birded Nebraska just briefly on a, a cross country trip before, but really not much. Uh, on the drive, uh, it was mostly uneventful, but the coolest thing, maybe it was a stop at, at Armada, at the Armada, <laughs> Amanda County, uh, at the, excuse me, let's try again, at the Amanda Colony. It's an Amish colony with a historical downtown that uh, kind of reminded me of Leavenworth and the Cascades. Just before the mountains level out, going over the Cascade Mountains eastward on uh, Highway 2, uh, there's a town called Leavenworth. It's got a German theme. It's really uh, a big Oktoberfest every year, although I guess this year they've... Uh, kicked Oktoberfest out of Leavenworth. It's gonna be in Wenatchee. They couldn't handle the crowds anymore. Uh, but Armada is lower key, but similar in that it's an Amish theme uh, and actually a real Amish village. Uh, and it's really set up as a tourist destination. Didn't excite me too much, but it was cute. Had a Christmas store, bakery, other stuff. And Marion kind of remembered going there to a family style restaurant with her family. She's one of 12 kids. And so they didn't go to restaurants much, but this had a big family seating style place that they went to every couple of years, I guess. And so she was excited to be back there with memories of childhood. And I wandered around and saw a lot of Eurasian tree sparrows mixed with house sparrows. Uh, and I got a spotted sandpiper and a wood duck in a creek on the edge of town. And from there we headed west another couple of hours to the Sailorville Reservoir, where we had lunch and did a little birding. It was a stop at the overflow, a really big reservoir. And there were American white pelicans, foresters and Caspian terns, palm and yellow rumped warblers all over the place. Uh, and we had a list of 40 species and, and left there 
uh, to come to Omaha. We went actually stayed just west of Omaha in a, in a place called Elkhorn, uh, close to the confluence of the Elkhorn and Platte Rivers, uh, where they joined just before the Platte River uh, empties into the Missouri. Uh, I didn't even realize that uh, Omaha is on the Missouri River, but it is, uh, so another river town. Uh, so our first morning in Nebraska, uh, we visited the 234th Street wetlands in the surrounding area on a really cold and windy day. That's been the theme here in Nebraska, cold and windy. Uh, we just kind of happened into a cold part of the spring, I think. So birding was kind of tough, but uh, we did find a few things. And then Marion visited her brother in the afternoon, and after a little visit, I took off to the Two Rivers State Recreation Area. It's one of the top nearby hotspots. It's really set up for hunting and fishing. Uh, so birding's definitely an afterthought, but on a cold and windy afternoon, I did manage to get a few things. Uh, I got uh, better things outside the preserve, where I got to hear Northern Bob White for the first time on the trip, and found some lark sparrows for good looks and went to a, a cool other hotspot called the T.L. David Prairie Trail. It's a little uh, hill in the middle of a uh, residential community that's been preserved and uh, has some nice prairie habitat, a lot of turkeys there, and really beautiful vistas of the, of the Platte River, uh, but uh, uh, actually I think it was the Elkhorn River. Anyway, really pretty place, and uh, enjoyed walking around there for a while. Uh, and. Uh, Overall, the, the highlight of that day, though, was not the planned trips. I went back to visit Marion and Jim, uh, but they were still out driving around. So I just found a, a little place about a mile from where he's living called the Blue Water Trails. Not even an eBird hotspot, but somebody had been there, and he had found a, a um, warbling vireo. So I thought, well, if he had found a warbling vireo, there might be some past runs around. I'll check it out. So I park at a place called the Blue Water Trail, I say, cool, I get out of the car, and there's just a flock of sparrows right on the lawn. Super exciting, uh, because I had not seen sparrows the whole blessed trip, hardly seen any sparrows. First bird I put my bins on is a Harris's Sparrow. Uh, in Washington, we get a, a usually a first winter Harris's Sparrow, if we get one at all, uh, and I have almost no experience. I've seen one adult Harris's Sparrow previously, but this was a beautiful adult, perched right up to see on a tree, uh, and caught three Zonotrichia Sparrows there, uh, white-throated and white-crowned, uh, as well as the Harris's, uh, and got great looks at singing clay-colored sparrows, uh, song sparrows, swamp sparrows, so three Melospeza Sparrows, and chipping sparrows too, uh, uh, along with a clay-colored, so two Spazella Sparrows. So just a really cool stop uh, and a nice bunch of other pastorans on the walk there too. Wednesday, Marianne and I birded the Glen Cunningham Lake area. It's, a, it's the number one hotspot in the county here uh, and it's a big shallow reservoir. So we walked all over the place there and got really nice birding in. I have to say that the most memorable part of that experience though was not the birds. Uh, we went to where the eBird access to the, to the lake is and it, it had the road blocked off. Uh, so I said, well, I guess you have to walk in. So we parked the car and wandered down the road a little bit to try to get into the get into the area. And it had a big no trespassing, go away sign there. So I said, okay, well, I guess we'll have to figure out another way to access the lake. I knew birders had been birding the lake because there are lots of e-bird lists. Uh, and so I'm wandering back to the car and Marion says, is that a cop car? And sure enough, sitting beside our car, there's a police car with the lights just showing over the barrier. And I go, oh, damn. Uh, so we walk up. Uh, and I wasn't too worried, you know, 
been visited by police officers in remote areas before, just making sure everything is okay. So we walk up, and this is really polite, nice young police officer. Mary thought he looked 16. I thought more like 23. But anyway, really nice uh, fellow. And, and uh, he took my name and my phone number and, and down and my date of birth, for whatever reason, in his little paper notebook. He had one of those uh, cool waterproof pencil and paper notebooks that birders used to use when we kept paper notes. Uh, anyway, had that. And, but he told me how to access the lake around the other side. We drove over and had a really nice uh, stop. A uh, lot of good birds. Uh, found at least six Harris's sparrow, two, two clay-colored sparrows. Uh, really a nice stop. Uh, so weather report for the last day for today looked dismal. I thought it was pretty much done birding, but woke up and wasn't really raining and actually it warmed up and the wind had died down. So Marion slept in and I uh, took off for one last half day of birding in Douglas County. I went to the Chalco Hills Recreation Area, very nice stop. I think I mentioned in the last episode that I was hoping to find a sedron somewhere on this trip. Well, as I walked on a path beside the lake, after first seeing some first birds of the trip, a redhead, that's a diving duck for listeners who might not be avid birders, not a hair color, and incredibly the first belted kingfisher of the trip. How can you bird from Louisiana to Iowa along the Mississippi seemingly by water all the time and not see a kingfisher? I don't know, but I managed. They're a big, loud, noisy bird. And anyway, first one today, uh, but I'm walking along come to this kind of uh, wet, grassy, weedy field, and I hear a little rattle. There had been Eastern Meadowlarks doing a rattle that I wasn't really familiar with, and I kind of was getting used to them, but this seemed different. So I got out my Merlin Sound ID app and immediately identified Sedgren. I was stoked. I spent about 20 minutes just drinking in these Sedrons, or at least I listed four. I think there were more than that there. And by the range map, it looks like they were migrating. Uh, but they were very vocal, singing, calling like crazy. I got recordings and pictures, and super excited to get Cedron. I'd seen them only once before in Texas, maybe 30 years ago, and those were very brief looks. And these guys were cooperative, and just, I was a happy birder. Overall, it's been a great last birding stop. I went to Marion's to try to help her brother hang an old cuckoo clock. Uh, I managed to hang it. That was pretty easy. Uh, but trying to figure out the chains and weights to make it run, not so easy. More of a task for someone more mechanically inclined to me. So they have a cuckoo clock that doesn't cuckoo, but it's, uh, it's a family, uh, family heirloom and it's up. <laughs> anyway, we fly home tomorrow. It'll be good to get home. Uh, the neotropic migrants uh, showing up uh, should be exciting birding. Uh, home cooking will be good. Traveling as a vegan is a little bit of a challenge sometimes, especially in rural uh, southern areas that don't have a lot of choices. I am kind of sick of uh, not such good food, uh, but I'm excited to be home, uh, to get home tomorrow. Uh, but what are my takeaways from this trip? First, if you just want to see a neotropic migrants, do it like everyone else does. Uh, it, uh, go to a hot spot uh, and spend some time. Uh, and find your neotropic birds. Uh, it's a place like South Padre Island, Dauphin Island, McGee Marsh, Point Pelee, any of the many uh, migrant hotspots along the way. Second is that the Great River Road is really very near the river in the southern parts. Uh, it's usually behind dikes. You hardly get to see the river. So that was kind of surprising to me. Third uh, is uh, I just have a huge sense of gratitude at the people who, and, and uh, systems that put together a National Wildlife Refuge system. They are great and they're a fabulous asset our country have. And 
That said, the trip was terrific. I saw a lot of cool places, things I've never been, had a lot of really good experiences. Can't wait to get home. And I have some good guests coming up scheduled for the near term. So we'll be back to more usual episodes from there. Thanks for listening. Good birding. Good day.